Hi, I'm Willow Belden, and you're listening to Out There, the podcast that explores big questions through intimate stories outdoors. So here's a fun fact. Solar energy was used as far back as the 7th century B.C. There are records of people back then using magnifying glasses to start fires. I actually remember doing a science experiment like that in probably first or second grade. We took a magnifying glass outside into the sun, and we held it at just the right angle, and we were able to start burning a piece of paper. I remember being totally fascinated by that. Solar energy has obviously advanced a lot since the 7th century BC, but it's still really cool. Our sponsor for this episode thinks so too. They are a renewable energy company called Renergy, and they make solar products for your home, business, RV, and more. For 10% off your order at renergy.com, enter the promo code OUTTHERE at checkout. That's R-E-N-O-G-Y dot com, promo code OUTTHERE. Everyone suffers in some way. Sometimes it's really obvious, other times it's less visible. But it's pretty much impossible to go through life without it. Some amount of suffering is inevitable. And in general, we hate that. Suffering is not fun. But what if hardships actually serve a purpose? What if we can gain something from our trials and sorrows? What if the struggles we try so hard to avoid could actually enhance our lives? Megan McLaughlin brings us a story today about finding the sweetness in suffering. And a quick note in case you're listening with kids, there are a few places where adult words are used in this story. I'll let Megan take it from here. It was the first day of my first backpacking trip, and I was seriously regretting it. My adventurous younger sister and I were in Big Bend National Park. The first stretch of our trek was straight up Emory Peak, the highest point in the park, and my 40-pound pack was heavy. The only word running through my head was crap, 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 in time with each step. What had I gotten myself into? But after a few miles and a good couple hours, we scrambled to the top of the peak. The view was sweeping. We saw the trailhead in the rust-colored basin below. The desert bowl was beyond, rimmed by jagged mountains and plateaus. We snapped a picture at the summit, our windswept hair in matching braids, with matching smiles, sitting side by side. My confidence was boosted. If we were victorious over the highest peak, we could tackle the rest of the trail. The trip didn't get much easier, but our spirits stayed high. We hiked the 34-mile loop of surprisingly beautiful, rugged terrain in three days. We got blisters, we were soaked by rain, we were poked by cacti. We also met some pretty cool people 
saw fantastic desert expanses, and had some quality sister bonding time. Each night when we settled into our tent, we co-wrote a journal entry chronicling the day's activities under our shared trail name, and I read it aloud in my best Bear Grylls voice, The Shit Eater Diaries. When we completed the loop and got settled at base camp, we celebrated with a feast of jet-boiled foods and a shared Shiner beer. It was a slog at times, but sparse and beautiful in its own way. Totally worth the pain for the excellent vistas and time with my sister. I come from a family of Kansans. We were raised in a wholesome Kansas community with a healthy appreciation for the outdoors. Mom loves to hike and dad loves to fly fish. So many of our family vacations were spent hiking up to Alpine lakes in the Rocky Mountains. My big brother Ian and I were always close. I worshiped the ground he walked on when I was little and I still think he's pretty cool. I tolerated my little sister Kelsey. We clashed. I was a tomboy, more introspective and didn't mind spending time alone or with a few close friends. Kelsey was a little more girly, extroverted, loved socializing and the camaraderie of sports. When Ian left for college, I had to learn to love my sister. One thing that really bound us together was a love for our Catholic faith. We both found enduring truth within its teachings and nurturing for the whole person, body, mind, and soul within its ministries. Faith became a bedrock for our sisterhood to evolve into friendship. After high school, we all left home. Ian moved to Colorado, then DC. Kelsey and I continued our educations at different universities in Kansas. We all kept in touch through a chain of Sunday phone calls. We weren't geographically close anymore, but we were still a tight family. I missed seeing them, and I know it was tough on mom and dad for us kids to be spread far and wide, but my parents were always supportive of us moving away and chasing our own paths in life. The sister adventures first started during spring break in college when Kelsey and I drove to Colorado to visit Ian. We stopped in a rundown western Kansas town and saw some graffiti on an abandoned rail car. It was pretty impressive until we realized what it said. Shit eaters. So we dubbed our adventuring alter egos the shit eaters. And the saga of the shit eater diaries continued on that Big Ben trip a few years later. So when we were both set to graduate college in the spring of 2018, I wanted to share last hurrah. However, there is a pretty glaring difference this time. Just months before graduation, Dad was diagnosed with cancer. He was holding his own through procedures and chemo treatments. Mom was supportive and attentive while trying not to be overbearing. Kelsey and I came home from college when we could. Ian made it back from D.C. to celebrate Easter as a family. Time together became our most valuable currency. Of course, we had high hopes of things turning out all right, but cancer has a way of keeping things uncertain. And yet, Kelsey and I were graduating soon, about to chase our dreams out of state, which seemed selfish at a time like this. Things were heavy. Cancer was beginning to feel like that 40-pound pack on my back, 
slogging through school and work and life every day. Except now there were no mountaintop vistas to redeem the struggle. One time when I was home from college, I had the chance to accompany Dad to his weekly chemo treatment. It was an awkward reversal of roles. It's strange for a parent to be attended by a child, even an adult child. But we were grateful for the time together. He asked me how I thought Mom and my siblings were holding up. Mostly okay, we just all did a lot of worrying about each other. He asked how I was doing, and I gave a vague answer. I paused, swallowed deeply, and asked the question I desperately needed an answer to. Dad, should I be looking for work closer to home? I was scheduled to fly to Idaho in a few weeks for job interviews and felt guilty and selfish for doing it. He looked me in the eye and said exactly what I thought he would. Absolutely not. This is temporary. No one needs to interrupt their life for me. You gotta go do what you've always wanted to do. I smiled, teared up, and grabbed a Kleenex. We were getting pretty good at crying together. Hey, it's Willow. We'll hear the rest of Megan's story in a moment. But first, here's a little slice of history. Back in 1767, a guy named Horace Benedict de Saussure built the first known solar oven. It was used for cooking food and heating water, and he was able to get it up to 230 degrees Fahrenheit. Interestingly, he took this solar oven up into the Swiss Alps to see how air temperature would affect it. And he found that external air temperature didn't have much impact at all. The solar oven was just as efficient high up on a mountaintop where the air was cold as it was down in warmer elevations. Our sponsor for this episode is a company called Renogy. They make solar products that are a lot more advanced than that first solar oven. And they'll help you get set up with solar installations for your home, business, RV, and more. For 10% off your order, go to renogy.com and enter the promo code out there at checkout. That's R-E-N-O-G-Y dot com, promo code out there. And now, back to Megan's story. So graduation came, and then the last sister adventure. For a while, anyway. We had five days before we moved for our new positions. Kelsey in Florida, and me in Idaho. So our camping trip had to be close and quick. We planned for two nights in the Ozark National Forest of Arkansas. Our spirits were high as we headed out. We were new graduates. Our futures were ripe with adventures to be had. The gloomy cloud of cancer and upcoming surgery hung far in the distance. The first thing we learned about Arkansas in May is that it's very humid. The second thing, there are lots of bugs. That would be the theme of our trip. Kelsey enjoys the heat and as a long distance runner has always been in pretty good shape. I wilt in temperatures above 72 and I sweat like a pig but we had sunny optimism to make the most of this trip. 
Arkansas was all round rolling hills and green, entirely different than the Rocky Mountains of Colorado and Montana that our family loved visiting. The forest was dark and incredibly dense and looked as though it was trying to reclaim every structure we saw. Houses with vines crawling up the walls and windows, barns with moss creeping down the roof. We didn't see many people while driving around, no farmers in the fields. It was eerie, Arkansas. We just didn't know what to make of it. Our first stop was a few mile hike to Hawksbill Crag, and it was a sight. Deep green deciduous forest as far as you could see, and birds sweeping from dense straws to lofty canopies. We snapped some pictures and relaxed before heading back. That evening, we took dinner to a nearby lake. We thought it would be scenic. So did all the mosquitoes. They didn't care how much DEET we sprayed on ourselves. Kelsey and I swatted skeeters, flicked ants, and told each other what a great time we were having. Dinner was wolfed down, and we tried to enjoy our customary Shiner beer together. Then we sought shelter back at our campsite for the night. The next day was our big hike. We chose a trail to a waterfall that left from the campground. We geared up, covered ourselves in bug spray, and headed out. Even in the morning, the humidity was oppressive. The forest was so thick, no air moved. The only breeze was myself moving through the air. We bushwhacked through brambles, vines, and spiderwebs. Within 15 minutes, I had sweated off all my bug spray. We did make it to a waterfall. It was kind of nice, definitely nice to dip our feet into, but nothing like a clear, rushing Rocky Mountain stream. We deliberated about continuing further, but Kelsey knew I was half-melted and my mood was not improving. So we headed back to our campsite and showered. Thank God. I didn't want to be the one who said it first, so I was relieved when Kelsey offered, why don't we just head home tonight? We were getting nervous about our big moves in a few days and both had plenty of packing to do. Why continue on with the hot sticky weather and the horrendous bugs? Didn't seem worth staying if we were just struggling to get through the trip. We were on the same page. But first I wanted to see the glory hole rock formation and waterfall. It was on a different end of the national forest and difficult to find. Like most things in Arkansas, the sign off the highway was being slowly swallowed by foliage. By then, rainstorms had unleashed, so we ran down the soggy, mile-long trail, hoping any lightning would hold off. Near the waterfall, the trail steepened, and we scrambled down some mossy ledges to get to the bottom of the falls. Kelsey got out on a rock ledge with water cascading off it. Her sandals hit just enough slick algae under the running water that she began sliding down the ledge toward a 20-foot drop. It was a silent, slow-motion moment of her panic-stricken face looking to me and me trying to figure out how to reach her without us both slipping over the edge. Luckily, she was able to slide to a flatter spot, grab a tree limb, and get back to solid ground. It probably only lasted a few seconds, but we were both thoroughly spooked. We did see Glory Hole. We have pictures of me standing under the falls with a ridiculous grin on my face, saying how glorious of a hole it was. 
Kelsey's face is 50% unenthused and 50% distaste for my stupid jokes. When we got back into cell service, I had missed a call from mom. When I called back, she was near tears. Dad was having a rough couple days. He was going to help me with my move to Idaho, but now he couldn't make the trip, and mom wasn't sure she should leave him. So I needed to make a backup plan for moving three days before I was set to leave. We headed home, worried about dad's health, mom's sanity, and how we were going to get ourselves all packed up and moved in a few days. These burdens weren't really in my original plan, and life was starting to feel like that heavy pack again. Somehow we managed, by the grace of God. Mom drove with me from Kansas to Idaho in a U-Haul, towing my car behind. Kelsey flew to job training in Florida. Everyone reconvened for dad's surgery a couple weeks later, Ian included. Surgery didn't go according to plan, but it went well. Dad was cancer-free. Now I'm settled into my work in rural Idaho, and I love all the mountains and rivers that surround the prairie. Every time I take my dog on a hike, I recall the shit-eaters' adventures, the rousing success of the Big Bend trip, and the flop of our Arkansas expedition. And I realize both experiences were equally important to me, because life is full of valleys, and we need to struggle through those valleys to reach the beautiful mountaintops. God has really been teaching me that for the last couple years, that even our trials are gifts. They make our stories richer, more meaningful, and sometimes funnier. And it's even more than that. We all know that bad experiences make for good stories, but it's become clear to me over the past few years that the bad experiences actually make our lives better. When my friend's father was undergoing intensive surgery and my neighbor lost her husband and my classmate's mother was in the ICU, they could lean on me because through my dad's illness and treatments, I was already leaning on them. We offered each other prayers and support and strengthened our friendships because of our hefty burdens. For Kelsey and me, the heavy packs, swarms of mosquitoes, rivers of sweat, and Shiner beer strengthened our sisterhood and helped us appreciate beautiful and sort of miserable places. Cancer made my close-knit family even tighter. We're better at communicating, we share deeper concerns, we take time to visit each other on opposite ends of the country. Our family experience has become so much more beautiful. And strange as it sounds, we have cancer to thank for that. Dad's cancer recently came back. We are back to treatment schedules, back to praying with urgency, back to finding time to be together, back to leaving blank spaces on calendars for whatever might come next. It's another heavy trial. But without this trial, we wouldn't know the power of prayer, the depth of friendships, the strength of our family ties. Besides, what sorrow carves out has that much more capacity to be filled with joy. 
I used to think that life was beautiful despite all the hardships and struggles. But now I know life is beautiful because of them. That was Megan McLaughlin. She's a veterinarian, and she lives in rural Idaho. Thank you to Aja Simpson for production assistance on this story. Thank you also to all of our patrons. Patrons are listeners who make monthly financial contributions to Out There. Listener gifts make up nearly half of our operating budget. So I mean it when I say we couldn't produce the show without you. To become a patron, just head to patreon.com slash outtherepodcast. We have a link to that on our website as well, outtherepodcast.com. And if you'd rather do a one-time contribution, we are on Venmo at outthere-podcast. Support for this episode comes from Renogy. Renogy is a renewable energy company that makes a wide array of solar products. Everything from small, portable chargers that you can take camping to big installations for your home or RV. Renogy is on a mission to provide tailor-made solutions that let you enjoy an active, outdoorsy lifestyle without having to worry about air pollution, noise pollution, or maintenance. And because you're listening to this podcast, they have a special deal for you. You can get 10% off your order at renogy.com. Just enter the promo code OUTTHERE at checkout. That's R-E-N-O-G-Y dot com promo code out there. And we have a link to all of that on our website as well. Renogy, big or small, solar for all. That's it for this episode. Our strategic advisor is Alex Eggerking. Our advertising manager is Jessica Taylor. Our audience growth director is Sheba Joseph. Our interns are Natalia Luderman, Aja Simpson, and Kara Schaefer. Our ambassador team consists of Laura Johnston, Stacia Bennett, Ashley White, and Tiffany Duong. And our theme music was written by Jared Arnold. Have a beautiful day, and we'll see you in two weeks.